It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. You might not be comfortable answering this, but okay. did you get to vote in 2016? I was just having this conversation. I, I, I'll say I didn't vote. Yeah, um, you were the fucking bachelor. I'm sure they didn't make it easy for you. And and I'll be like, listen, I, 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 at the time, I, I used it as an excuse because I wasn't really thrilled at the time with mm-hmm. either option, mm-hmm. and I was just more or less a spectator. And since I was the bachelor and I was in Finland, I just kind of used that as an excuse not to participate. And then I was like, well, I'm also a resident of California, you know, whatever. True. So I did not vote. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And that clip we opened today's show with was Nick Viao. He appeared on Juliet Lippman's Bachelor Party podcast along with Rachel Lindsay. They discussed a wide variety of topics, but I thought that clip in which Vial steamrolls Rachel Lindsay so he can beat her to the punch to tell us all that he didn't vote in 2016. I thought that was especially germane to what we're going to talk about today. And just FYI, we are recording this on Wednesday at 11.46 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Our state of the world, which is how we start every episode, is going to be recorded now, on this day, Wednesday. The rest of this episode was recorded yesterday during the election so that we had enough time to edit it. So just to let you know again, this beginning section is recorded Wednesday, 11.46 a.m. Everything else was recorded yesterday. So there may be a slight difference in tone of how we are affected by what was going on in the world, et cetera, et cetera. We wanted to give you an up-to-the-date state of the world, so here we are. (laughs) This is, as you know, a segment in which we discuss some goings-on out in the big wide world, and we link it back to The Bachelor. We tell you how it's all related, and we call this segment Game of Roses. State of the world. Well, today is the morning after the biggest election in the history of the United States, we still don't know exactly what's going to happen. I stayed up all night, basically, watching news coverage of people counting votes. I tried to go to, in quotes, sleep, which was actually just me staring at the ceiling between constant sirens and helicopter noises here in Los Angeles, broken up with an occasional unexplained (laughs) explosion. I still have no fucking idea what these explosions were at 4 a.m., but there were several of them, and they kept me awake all night. Maybe you did go to sleep and those were dreams. Dreams of civil war. Whatever they were, I went to sleep, in quotes, thinking the election was pretty much over because every news channel, every website that I was looking at had it slanting heavily in favor of Trump. It was a bunch of states had come in for him already, and many were leaning toward him. He had significant leads in many of these states. Then I got out of bed this morning, and holy shit, this is far from over. And what we're seeing now is actually a very good sign, I think, that Biden might actually be able to pull this out. Definitely. I mean, we knew that this was pretty likely that 
all of the votes that were counted first would be the election day votes, and then all of the early voting, which would slant more Democrat, would come in later. Um, so I wasn't too worried last night, but I did take my my signature quarantine cocktail, Xanax and an edible and melatonin. And how are you feeling today? <laughs> I feel uh, like a fucking spring chicken. Okay. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm, we'll get to it, but I'm just, I am deeply saddened that it doesn't look like we're going to flip the Senate. Before we get to that, speaking of spring chickens, yeah. there are two guys right now named Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and a lot of the vote has come in. The popular vote right now has Biden at 69,949,273 Trump is at 66,976,051. So we are looking at what will probably be an even larger margin of victory in the popular vote than Hillary Clinton had in 2016. And we're entering this weird phase. If Biden doesn't win the Electoral College, how many elections has this been in a row where the will of the American people is not seen to bear out in the actual White House? Are you kidding me? Republicans have only won the popular vote once in the last 30 years. But as we know in our country, the popular vote doesn't matter. What the most people want isn't what happens. What does matter is the antiquated racist electoral college. We need to get rid of the electoral college. Per Robert Reich, Wyoming is 92% white. California is 37% white. A Wyoming voter has nearly four times more influence than a California voter. Therefore, the electoral college is racist and must be abolished. Biden's going to get millions more votes than Trump. We need a new system. It's not democratic. And who do you think is going to implement the new system? Joe Biden? Well, this is why we needed to flip the Senate. Which it doesn't look like is going to happen, but we'll get to that in a moment. First, let's discuss this electoral college situation. Right now, again, it is now 11.51 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Second by second, things are changing. But as we record this... Each of our candidates is trying to get to 270 electoral votes. That's the magic number. Once you get that, you're the fucking president. Many states have already tabulated enough votes to determine who will be getting their electoral college votes. Some have not. As of right now, per the Google app I'm looking at, Joe Biden has 248 electoral college votes to Trump's 214. And there are a few states that are very crucial for him, for Biden. Nevada and Michigan are both in play for him still, which last night it didn't look like they were. Last night, when I, again, in quotes, went to sleep, all those fucking states were pink. <laughs> they were leaning red. And now I wake up and they're not. So in Nevada and Michigan, Biden right now is maintaining a small lead with mail-in and provisional ballots still being counted. And traditionally, these types of ballots are more popular with Democratic voters. So the fingers are crossed. If he can lock up these two states... It's fucking over. That gives him exactly 270. He wins the fucking election. Of course, barring any legal attempts to invalidate this entire proceeding by Donald Trump, which will surely come in the next weeks. <laughs> yeah, we should note he did declare victory late last night <laughs> and said, stop counting. <laughs> Arguably more important pieces of this election include the Senate and the House. And Democrats were hopeful that we could flip the Senate, which did not happen. 
They were unable to mount a successful challenge to bring down either Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham. We did flip for Arizona with Mark Kelly in the lead there. John Hickenlooper won Colorado. We failed to maintain Alabama, failed to get Susan Collins out of Maine. Losing the Senate is the most depressing part of all of this because we are seeing the level of voter suppression just getting worse and worse. According to Ezra Klein, democracy reform, HR1, HR4, statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico, filibuster reform, SCOTUS reform is dead, and GOP will use redistricting and courts to keep widening their path to minoritarian rule. (laughs) Need another cocktail. (laughs) Bye. You go immediately back to sleep. I just see you fucking... Bye. You're eating like a giant pop brownie and just fucking pressing pills into your mouth until you just fucking... Oh my God. Now I know what you're saying to yourself. We've talked a lot about the election. This is all political. What does this have to do with The Bachelor? Well... I want to talk very specifically about something I noticed last night as I was watching the coverage of all this. And I was flipping around through every news channel, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, Fox News. Yeah, because I wanted to see how they were presenting it. I watch Fox News a lot because it's very fucking interesting. Basically, I watch it to see how my parents are being brainwashed. You like to identify with, you know, see the world through Sluice's eyes. I like to understand the psychology of people who are able to vote for Donald Trump or able to do anything in support of keeping kids in cages or any kind of ideal that goes against basic humanitarian principles. I am fascinated with how people can justify that. And I think watching the media they watch gives me some idea of it. At any rate, across all of these platforms last night, uniformly, even liberal platforms like MSNBC, there was not a mention of any of the bad shit Donald Trump has done, any of the open crimes he's committed, there was no one mentioning how important this actually is. It was all treated like frivolous entertainment. Smiling faces, sitting behind desks with colorful displays, talking about numbers, and who's going to take it? Like it's the fucking Super Bowl instead of our last chance to stop authoritarian rule as we are sliding into what is clearly global catastrophe in the face of possible environmental extinction. It was just another game. And this is just how The Bachelor is, too. This kind of tone of reality television. It's just frivolous entertainment. It doesn't matter. That is now in our news. That's how the fucking most important election in our lifetime is being presented to us, like a fucking reality show. It was mind-blowing to me. I feel like that's one of the things that the media has struggled with the most is They want to cover 45 like a normal president. They want to act like these are normal things. These challenges to our basic democratic institutions are normal, but they're not. This isn't a normal time, and they don't know how to cover it. They don't want to come off as having a liberal bias, so they just cover these things in this both sides way when it's like, well... No, I mean, we're arguing for every vote to get counted. They're arguing for an authoritarian state. I mean, those aren't two different political sides of like, should we tax at 5% or 10%? I think back to when Jimmy Fallon had on Donald Trump as a guest on his talk show when Trump was campaigning in 2016, and he mussed up his hair and treated it as a fucking joke. Ha ha ha, Donald Trump's a big funny joke. I think about that all the time. I retweet that gif all the time because it's constantly on my mind. (laughs) 
It's unbelievable to me. And then Saturday Night Live followed it up by having him as a fucking host. And nobody took him seriously. For a moment there, after he won the election, there was a pretty dire tone on MSNBC for a little while. And that was it. And then it just slid into even Rachel Maddow was just like laughing at shit when he's like doing a Muslim ban. And it just became this detachment, which is something that we in America now, I think it's a part of how we view everything. Again, like this reality show shit. People get their news from fucking John Oliver, a comedian. They should get it by flipping through all the channels rapid fire. That's just how I get the tone of how it's being presented. How I actually get the news is by aggregating everything I see across all platforms and actually distilling what the fuck is really happening. Because it's all lies, obviously, in one way or another, either tonally a lie or a blatant, real, actual lie straight to your fucking face where they're telling you the opposite of what is true, which is like The Bachelor. They're telling us, oh, Claire had all the power. She could do everything she wanted. And she's the one who fucked up this whole season. Nope, you did it, producers. And so this element of (laughs) lying to tell us that these things are all just kind of okay and normal and frivolous is in our news media. And it's in our news media as they're covering the most important fucking election that has ever happened in our lifetimes. To me, no matter what happens in this election, there are horrible problems with american media culture and i think that's really what's controlling our society i mean i think fox news is responsible for uh, a lot of what we're seeing today um by the way a few of the bachelor nation a few of the bachelor nation royalty put up little polls which i thought were interesting to see what their <laughs> who their followers were voting for kelly flanagan put one up Great day to vote. Who are you guys voting for? 52% Biden, 48% Trump. Ari Jr. put up a poll. He can't vote, apparently, because he is not a citizen. Hmm. He said, election day, who wins? 46% Biden, 54% Trump. And then Pilot Pete put one up. Who we got? Biden, 48%. Trump, 52%. Interesting. PP's audience is more Trump than Kelly. And yet both PP, Kelly, and Sweet Nums are all 100% Trump. Well, whatever may happen in the coming hours, we're going to know who wins this, I would say probably within the next 48 hours. Some of these states where the votes are still being counted, you know, 90 plus percent of those votes are already done. I have to imagine they're going to get through the rest of those today or tomorrow. And then it's going to be this long slog through the next few months where all kinds of lawsuits are going to be flying back and forth that will eventually get decided in Trump's Supreme Court. So good luck to us all as we move forward. Hey, we don't know that. Maybe he'll concede. Okay. (laughs) Please remember once again, we recorded this segment that you just heard Wednesday at what is now 12.02 p.m. The rest of what you're about to hear, we recorded yesterday, just for context. Tuesday before the election. The day of. It was election day. Thank you for listening to our State of the World. And now it's time to talk about some news that is not election related. This is... Bachelor Nation News. As you know, 
all this season of The Bachelorette, we've been opening Bachelor Nation news with This Week in Gains. But this week, we have nothing to report because the airing schedule of The Bachelorette has been changed due to the election. So there are no new ratings to report for the show. There are no new Instagram movements to report for the players. We will be back with This Week in Gains next Friday. And we're looking forward to seeing what is going to happen to the ratings of this week's episode, which now comes on a Thursday. And of course, we're keeping a very close eye on all the top IG movers like Dale Moss and Blake Moynes. And as we head into the reign of the second Bachelorette to wear the crown this season, we will be keeping a very close eye on Miss Tasha Adams, the queen herself. She already had a 50,000 Instagram follower gain last week just from that one shot of her emerging out of the pool. And she is closing in on a million, potentially the first black player in history to break that barrier. It will be a historic moment if it happens, and we think it's going to happen this week. So good luck to you, Tasha. You're a trailblazer. We will have a special ceremony if Tasha is able to break this barrier. Look forward to it. And now let's move on to some of the Bachelor Nation news that we can report. Some of the things that have happened this week. And just to let you know, this portion of the episode, Bachelor Nation news, our parasocial plays, and our screams from the pit are all being recorded on Tuesday, on election day, so that I have enough time to edit them and we can have this episode out to you on Wednesday. So you can probably hear the stress in our voices and... If the tone sounds different than the beginning of the episode, that's why. (laughs) Because at this moment, we have no idea what is going to happen tonight. As the polls start closing and the numbers start coming in, we still are in this weird holding pattern of should we be hopeful? Should we be scared? Should we be hopeful? Should we be scared? (laughs) (laughs) And we are both. I have prepared my cocktail. Clues is preparing uh, Gore HQ for whatever is going to happen. But... Before the election, here's the Bachelor Nation news of this week. First up in Bachelor Nation news, over the weekend, Garrett Irigoyen, a.k.a. Ma Garrett, revealed his new girlfriend in a series of Instagram posts that came just a day after he posted a terrifying selfie of himself standing in front of an American flag wearing a purge mask with an I voted (laughs) sticker on the cheek, which was preceded by a month's worth of images of Irigoyen posing proudly with the corpses of various animals. He and his new romantic partner were depicted in a pumpkin patch, maskless, as you might expect. She is tagged in the photos, and here's a little info about her. Her name is Alexandra Farrar. She is sitting at a modest 2,369 Instagram followers on her private Instagram account, and she is a vinyasa yoga instructor who has a personal website where you can book sessions with her, and it seems like she's starting a yoga business called Yoga by Alexandra, which has 150 followers at this point on Instagram and zero posts so far. I have to say, I never pictured Ma Garrett winding up with a yoga instructor whose website landing page (laughs) reads, I'm here to create a safe place for you to learn, grow, and explore the things that make you feel most authentically you. After a deep search, there were no images of machine guns anywhere to be seen on her website. Is this actually his confirmed girlfriend if there's no guns? I mean, he was able to stay with Becca Kufrin for two years. What kind of yoga pants are these? Are they the Tommy Laren yoga pants that have a gun holster built into them? <laughs> no, she was not carrying a gun. 
But is this indicative of what Garrett does? Does he become attracted to women who have different ideologies than him and somehow make Mm, that work? A kink. Or is she a yoga instructor slash MAGA person? For some reason in my mind, those don't go together, but maybe they do in this case. They do in certain places. I have been doing yoga with Adrian every day. This YouTube yoga instructor, she's amazing. She's my best friend. And I purposely didn't look up her social media all year because I was very scared because she lives in Texas and who knows. But I did look, I had a weak moment yesterday and I looked it up and she has all these racial justice posts, uh, posts for Breonna Taylor and stuff. So I was like, oh, thank God I could still do yoga with Adrian. <laughs> well, we don't know the nature of the new relationship here that is burgeoning between Garrett and Alexandra, but we wish them well. Anyone who can find a shred of happiness in this decaying world should indulge fully. Speaking of unexpected pairings, our next piece of Bachelor Nation news features Rachel Lindsay and Christina Schulman. They pulled some tots, trick-or-treats, for a night on the town at an upscale Halloween party this week. Per Lindsay's own Instagram post, she donned the iconic ripped jeans and tank top look of Janet Jackson circa 1990, and Shulman opted for the less immediately recognizable sexy royalty look. Um, But video surfaced of the event they both attended that clearly shows a crowded room full of partygoers dancing to live entertainment and drinking in an enclosed room. Although most of the attendees were costumed, almost none of them were masked. Lindsay's attendance has sparked some controversy, seeming to fly in the face of her otherwise outspoken support of liberal causes and safety regulations where the COVID-19 virus is concerned. In fairness, we do not know what COVID protocols were implemented by the people at this event, but nonetheless, the images we now have of the night paint a picture of... Reckless abandon in the face of the highest numbers we've yet seen for the COVID pandemic. I believe as of today, 232,000 Americans have died from COVID. And the numbers are going up in virtually every state. This party that they attended comes within days of the Kylie Jenner birthday party that is now all over the internet and everyone is talking about it. She also had a party in an enclosed space with hundreds of people, none of them wearing masks. And the news that's coming out is Kris Jenner is saying, well, they had rapid COVID testing for everybody there, and you had to produce a negative test result before they would let you into the party. How accurate are these test results? I'm not sure. Maybe it's just peace of mind. Maybe it's for legal liability. I assume they have some level of accuracy that warrants the $130 per test That has to be paid for this. And to me, whatever went on at the Rachel Lindsay Christina Shulman party, whatever's going on at the Kylie Jenner party, whether they're taking precautions or not, whether they're doing these rapid tests or not, it's just very much an illustration of this dual world we're living in. If you have enough money, you don't have to do what other people have to do. You don't have to worry about going to a fucking indoor party with 100 people. You can just give them all $130 rapid tests at the door. I don't know if that's what happened at the Rachel Lindsay party, but... This piece of news prompted my scream for this week, but I want to discuss it with Shoya. <laughs> Understood. I need a professional to to take me down from the feeling that I had when I saw this. 
Because, I mean, Christina Shulman, and I believe Whitney Friends Way was at this as well. Those two have been attending these massless SpawnCon picnics for the whole pandemic. But I was very surprised that Rachel was there. The argument that you could make in defense of her is maybe she's been quarantining this whole time and they had a bunch of safety protocols in place for this party and she was like, fuck it, I need to cut loose. The election's coming up. It's Halloween. I want to go out and do one fun thing because America might not be here in a week. That's, I can grant her that. We're all under an extreme amount of stress. However, now ain't the time to fucking slip up. And I feel like if this was a slip up, it's a bad one. And if it wasn't, if this is actually indicative of a pattern of behavior, and this is just the first time we're seeing it, this is just the first time that it's on camera, and what she's presenting to us is a very different image than what is really happening with her in terms of COVID protocol, then it's a bigger problem, maybe. But It's certainly not what they intended. Both Christina and Rachel just posted solo shots of their costumes. They didn't post photos inside at the club grinding on people no that was someone else somebody else took those videos and pictures that they obviously didn't want to happen the same thing is true of the kylie jenner birthday party everybody at it was told not to take video or pictures so it's these people know this shit will not look good these people know they should not be doing these things i saw the picture of no social media that sign at the at the kendall jenner party by the way this is kendall jenner's birthday not kylie Sorry, I get them mixed up. Yeah, you clearly know you're doing something wrong if you're like, hey, you can't post this on social media. (laughs) Exactly. Written on a placard. And that is the thing I'm talking about, that it's these two worlds where they say, we know the rules. We're going to fucking break them anyway because we have money or we have status or we just don't give a fuck. Whatever the case may be, you see it through all of the influencers at this point including the most beloved ones in Bachelor Nation, like Rachel Lindsay, who, Mm. you know, seemed to be doing the right thing in all these situations. And now here we have this. Again, I will say as a disclaimer, I don't know the circumstances of this party, but just the image of it is a room full of people, probably 100 people at this party, dancing around, elbow to elbow, no one wearing masks. I mean, at least do it outside or have everyone in masks. I mean, there's just like... There's a couple basic things you could do to make it a lot safer. Ugh, it's heartbreaking. And just in terms of the parasocial aspect of it, Rachel Lindsay, don't just wear a fucking COVID mask. Wear a mask that covers your entire face so that any pictures taken of you can't be recognized as yeah. you. Hide <laughs> yourself. What are you doing? It's Halloween. You have every yeah. right to wear like be a Catwoman. Fucking baby Yoda mask or something. Rachel Lindsay, why didn't you baby Yoda? Why didn't you? <laughs> Speaking of horrifying things in Bachelor Nation, our next piece of Bachelor Nation news is that Claire Crawley, our current bachelorette, who knows for how much longer, is getting doxxed. People are publishing her phone number and address and trying to get people to harass her. Uh, ABC has yet to condemn these threats of violence or do anything to help the situation. Del Moss made a video on his Instagram about how he's okay with opening his life to the public, the Sleucian protocol, we know what we signed up for, but talked about how brutal people are being to actual human beings. 
When you start putting people's livelihoods or safety in jeopardy, it's a fucking problem. He uses the F word here. Unusual for Moss. Conveys strength. (laughs) I liked that move. He's unstoppable. Uh, Everyone is entitled to their opinion, but when you start crossing the line and putting people's safety in jeopardy, it's gone too far. This video has 178,000 views, 982 comments. There's this whole confluence of things leading up to the crown getting doxxed. I mean, you've maybe seen this in the past for villain characters, but the producers are giving Claire this horrible edit. So of course this is happening. Everyone is super stressed out and mad about a lot of different things right now. People have a lot of free time. They're all unemployed and are living primarily in the online world. This also speaks to a bigger problem within the greater context of the show. I am taken back to just earlier this year in March. There was an episode of The Bachelor called The Women Tell All. This was PP's season. <laughs> that was this year? Oh my it God. was in March. March 10th was the final episode of PP's season. <laughs> They had Rachel Lindsay come on that episode to deliver this whole speech about people shouldn't bully the players and don't treat them mean on Instagram. Do you remember all this? Yes. It was the show essentially telling us. They wouldn't say the word racist. Yeah, they wouldn't say the word racist, but it was essentially the show telling us to leave them alone. Be nice to these people. Meanwhile... They have taken every piece of footage they can and cut it in a way to make Claire Crawley the most hated person in Bachelor history. They are producing the reaction in the fandom that makes these people hate her. They're the ones doing it. And then they get to sit on the other side of it and be like, be nice to her. We know we cut her to make her look like the worst person who ever played the fucking game, but (laughs) don't bully her. And then ABC, as you're saying, takes no stand. They don't even come out condemning it. They certainly don't apologize for it or take any level of responsibility for creating this situation where people are now literally saying, go to Claire Crawley's house and fucking harm her. Where they're showing literally the most amounts of conversations between a lead and producers that they've ever done in ever to make her look bad. They're shooting her outside the building. They're manipulating her into behaviors that make her look bad, like giving herself the rose. It's just unbelievable to me that yeah. the show puts any of the blame at this point on Bachelor Nation. And I'm not saying that we're absolved of responsibility, nor am I saying that you and I are the ones who doxed her. We're not. We're not <laughs> engaged in the doxing, but we are part <laughs> no. of the viewing audience. We are part of Bachelor Nation, and so we bear some responsibility. This is part of being complicit, complicit as well. Yeah. We know that this goes on. We know that we're associated with people who are doxing her as fans of the show. I don't know if this ever changes because the show really, the power of the show, at least what it has been in this contemporary era when they're really manipulating the shit out of everything, is that they get to spin whatever story they want. They get to present these people in whatever way they want, whether that's a villain, a hero, a fool, whatever it may be. And in this case... They had to make Claire completely maligned so that they were justified in bringing in a new Bachelorette. That's the only way Mm -hmm. that storyline works, is that Claire has to destroy the show, and they have to try and save it. They are the saviors. Tasha is the savior. And the producers bringing her in as an act of kindness and generosity to Bachelor Nation. But the fallout from that is 
Claire is going to be fucking hated by people. And they've she created is. that. I've seen in the subreddit, she's getting the most hate of anyone. It's insane. You don't you never see this level of vitriol towards the lead. I mean, Juan Pablo had a pretty bad edit, and we're watching that right now, and we're we haven't really gotten to his his sort of downfall. We're seeing hints of it where we are in the season right now, but social media wasn't as big as it was back then. These negative effects are having a rippling out thing where yeah, I mean people people might go to her house. At some point that's going to happen, by the way. At some point you're going to see that threshold cross. An angry fan is going to have some kind of physical altercation with a player or a lead. That will happen. I mean, we already saw a fan in love go show up at Tyler Cameron's house. And I think, unfortunately, hate is a stronger behavioral motivator than love. And you're going to see something bad happen. And then I don't know, the show can't be held responsible because of those contracts. They have you sign those contracts that even have things like physical injury and death in them. And I think it probably extends to something like this. Or maybe even once you're off the set, they're completely absolved. Whatever happens to you outside the bubble, that's on you. And it's just, to me, distressing to see that the game is getting to this point where they're really able to generate an amount of hatred in the fan base for someone that has taken them to this point where they're fucking doxing someone. You have to hate someone so much to do that. It's, um, I don't know. It's dark. It's, I'm not surprised that this is happening given her edit. And I think they do try to give villain edits to people that they don't think are good people. I think they do try to have some like moralistic element of this where they're like, oh, we're going to make this guy look good because we actually like him. It's also different though with a lead. You can make a player a villain and we're all okay with that. Or I would say the whole of Bachelor Nation is like, it's fun to hate the Mm -hmm. villain of the show because you know, you're waiting for the villain to get kicked off. You're waiting for the lead to see through whatever they're doing and be like, you're not here for the right reasons. Get out of here. But to turn a lead into a villain is a whole different thing because the lead is the anchor of the show. They're the face of it, the symbol of what this whole season is going to be about. And they're turning her into a kind of corrupted symbol. She's the antithesis of The Bachelorette. The Bachelorette is about going through this 10-round game and figuring out which guy you like and really exploring all your options. She's doing the exact opposite. And so for that reason, I think she's viewed as kind of this bizarro world bachelorette or something if you will she's like kind of the evil version of it at least in the way they're painting her. it's tough it's tough to be a fan of this show <laughs> i still hope it's going to change i hope that it gets boiled back down to just the pure game and yes you can have your characters and they can try to present them in weird situations or whatever but that pure game is for me what makes this show endlessly entertaining And I think it is for most other people, too. I don't think the producers understand that, strangely, that it's like that 10-round game. What we want to see is 30 players trying to get to the end, and we want to see a lead who's kind of funny and maybe a little dopey that can be (laughs) manipulated a little bit into these weird situations. Like, that's it. That's the whole show. What they're doing now is, like, not even necessary. Are you saying that you're missing PP? I'm missing PP right now. In the same way that I miss George Bush Jr. in the face of Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Speaking of bachelorettes, 
Our final piece of Bachelor Nation news this week is a little more lighthearted. It involves Trista Sutter. Happy birthday, Trista. She turned 48 on October 28th. She was, of course, the very first woman to wear the crown as Bachelorette way back in 2003 after her second place finish on the first season of The Bachelor. She married her ring winner, Ryan Sutter, and the couple is still living together in Vail, Colorado with their two children, one of the few lasting relationships in Bachelor Nation and one of the few lasting relationships that has produced progeny. We wish her a happy birthday and many more to come. Happy birthday, Trista. That does it for this week in Bachelor Nation News. And now we are moving on to that portion of this episode where we discuss all of the play that our beautiful players do in the parasocial arena. We are, of course, talking about their social media presences. These are the relationships they develop with us, the fans, Bachelor Nation, as we stare back through our screens and watch them live their lives with reckless abandon in the face of a COVID pandemic. (laughs) They don't know who we are, but we feel like they are our friends. And here's what our friends said to us this week. This is... The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. Before we dive into this week's parasocial plays, we actually have a correction. Rare, but we make them when necessary. Last week, we mistakenly overlooked an incredible parasocial play by Madison Pruitt on TikTok. She partnered with Under Armour for a sponsored video of herself performing her iconic double basketball dribble made famous on her hometown date with PP. This is Under Armour TikTok SpawnCon. It got 78.9 million views. <laughs> this is a staggering number, I mean... <laughs> but well-deserved for one of the strongest parasocial players in the game's rich history. Apologies go out to Madison Pruitt for the late recognition. We hope... That is a good Christian. You can forgive us. This should have been the parasocial play of the week. Exactly. These numbers are astronomical. We don't see these by Bachelor Nation players very often. Very often. Have we ever seen something that got 78 million views from anyone? (laughs) No, I'm like, we've given, (laughs) we've given parasocial play of the week to like Mike Johnson tweets that have like 3000 likes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they were socially important this is not that socially yeah. important but because she's doing spawn con with this huge fucking brand it's like it was everywhere 78 million fucking people saw it this is the next level of the game right this is like fucking kendall jenner numbers she has two million tiktok followers at this point we'll see where that winds up but she certainly is in terms of the new era of social media she's the most powerful player i think that exists it's very shocking because i did not her early TikTok presence, I was like, this is nothing. She's not good at this. And now she's got fucking 78 million views. And she's doing SpawnCon with fucking Under Armour. Like, those big brands, SpawnCons, like Rachel Lindsay did one with McDonald's. Those are fucking crazy. That's extreme yeah. mainstream. I mean, fucking like Michael Jordan was doing McDonald's commercials back in the 80s and 90s. You know what I mean? That's like the top of the top in terms of global brands. Under Armour's not quite McDonald's, but it's up there. It's like a Nike. It's like a Reebok. So anyway, congratulations, Madison. We apologize once again. This is 
really, truly an astounding kind of groundbreaking parasocial play. Uh, moving on to this week in the parasocial arena, we saw some incredibly strong parasocial play from a wide variety of players. And it's no surprise because this week was Halloween after all. A time for any and all players to go head to head with their most creative totting, trick or treating. We saw Bennett Jordan, the current season's favorite dark horse. He took to Instagram where he donned a button up shirt over a Superman t shirt with sockless loafers and blue pants to give us a fashionable rendition of Clark Kent to Dale Moss's Superman post from last week, which was in itself a meme generated by the Party City images of him being revealed. Uh, Bennett's meme response to this current season's top player's own meme garnered Jordan 26,000 likes and 881 comments. Incredible play. Certainly one of the best from what is proving to be a crop of players that we are going to soon forget about because Dale Moss is crushing them all. To even keep your head above water this season in the parasocial arena or even on the fucking game itself is a miracle. And Bennett seems to be doing that on fucking charisma alone. The man is just fun to watch. Hats off to you, Bennett. This week also saw former crown wearer Becca Kufrin transforming herself into the young Ruth Bader Ginsburg for Halloween. This ran in direct contrast with her ex-fiance, Garrett Irigoyen, who dressed up in a purge mask to vote and vaguely referenced voting the way you want and not being ashamed of it. We all know what that means. Kufrin's tasteful black and white photo of her in the iconic lace-collared judge's robe and glasses holding a miniature gavel raked in 129,000 likes and a whopping 1.5 thousand comments. Almost universally positive. Ma Garrett's post has 29,000 likes and 1,850 comments by comparison. Joe Park from this season of The Bachelorette posted his unaired jokes from the roast group date on his Instagram stories, skewering Bennett with jokes such as, Claire, I know how much you love animals. Bennett also loves animals. He just likes his. Skinned, tanned, and stretched. Seriously, Bennett, thank you for sharing that collection. I had no idea that Dodo made for such fine leather. And of course, there's me. I'm not the best looking guy here, or the tallest, or the richest, or the most muscular, or the best dressed, or the smoothest. But I do have something that most of these super sexy men don't, a high school diploma. How typical an Asian doctor. Claire, let me tell you, had I lost that dodgeball game... I would have shown you how wrong another stereotype was, dot, 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 in a big way. hey He doesn't have super high gains on Instagram, but this post granted him 3.8K upvotes on Reddit. Reddit is going hard in the paint for Joe Park to be the next Bachelor. However, he's getting almost zero screen time, so it's hard to see that happening. But what he does here in this play is very fucking smart. Bennett, again, is one of the only other players from this season who's getting screen time and who seems to be making a mark for himself. And here he attaches himself to that rising star 
by putting out all yeah. the secret footage of him making fun of that guy. So now we're all focused on Bennett and we're in his little sphere. So anything that's happening in the parasocial arena that has to do with him, we're paying attention to. And here's Joe Park ready to just fucking step in and take some of that limelight. Another strong parasocial play this week came from our beloved Mike Johnson. He dressed up in a matching red State Farm sweater so that he would look like Jake from State Farm in a very strong parasocial play slash spawn con combo that generated 45,000 likes and 644 comments, including a compliment from the greatest male Instagram player of all time, Tyler Cameron, who said simply, this is the best thing I've seen all year. And even the goat, Nick Vial, weighed in on Johnson's Halloween hijinks by finding the time to type out, this is very good. <laughs> a pat on the back from the goat. Congratulations, Mike Johnson. <laughs> You've been blessed. <laughs> Those were all very strong parasocial plays this week. But this week's parasocial play of the week goes to two players who partnered up. The greatest player of all time, Caitlin Bristow, and her significant other, Jason Tardick, got out their makeup kits to put some gray and Tardic's beard and eyebrows in service of transforming into Brad Pitt to Bristow's Jennifer Aniston as they reenacted their famous exchange from the Fast Times at Ridgemont High table read. They opted for a couple's power play, posting on both of their accounts different pieces of media. Bristow posted a still image of them in her main grid, it has 164,145 likes and 1,100 comments. Tardik, who posted the video to his reels, raked in 1.2 million views and 550 comments. Astounding. I'm not surprised. You know, I just came out with my declaration of Caitlin as the greatest of all time this week in our Patreon episode. I'm not surprised that she has come out, pulled this out this week. It's extremely creative. It's extremely likable. You're attaching yourself to Jen and Brad, who everyone loves in America, wants them to be a couple. I thought it was unique and excellently done. Couldn't agree more. And the thing that really shines through is something that we talked about in the Caitlin Bristow All-Stars episode. She's fucking funny. All of these other parasocial plays, even though they may look funny, they may have a comic inflection, they're still images. Ben is dressed up as Clark Kent, sitting there, we get the joke, it's in opposition to Dale Moss's Superman, ha 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 ha. Mm -hmm. But he's not acting. There's no performance in this. There's no video element. Here, you see Caitlin Bristow doing a fucking Jennifer Aniston impersonation, and she's good at it. She's fucking funny. Tardic, not as much. He's definitely riding on her <laughs> coattails in this. He tries. We'll give him that. But it feels like this was her idea, and she fucking killed her impersonation. And it really shows you, once again, she's a fucking entertainer. This person's a celebrity. And so likable. I would say that... While Jason Tardick isn't as funny, he has this sweetness to him that makes him extremely likable. And them as a powerhouse couple is just, it doesn't get better than that. I don't even know if it's sweetness. I think it's just awareness. He knows where that bread is buttered. <laughs> Anything so she wants, she's going to get with him. He hey, I think we should dress her. up as 
Brad Pitt he and uh, Jennifer Aniston for our Halloween thing. And he's just like, okay, do you want me to put gray in my eyebrows? Okay. <laughs> do you want me I to mean, dye my hair blonde? We do okay. not know who came up with it. Who knows? Maybe these people's publicists come up with all of this too. I would be willing to bet almost any amount of money that this was a Caitlin Bristow brainchild because it also it just fits her brand so fucking well. And yes, she has handlers and they're looking out for her brand and all that, but this just seemed right up her alley. Of course. She's the greatest of all time. Debatable. Caitlin Bristow. How many total roses does she have? Total roses doesn't mean shit. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about in-game statistics. How far did she make it in the game? She got third and then she was immediately bachelorette. Because she was that fucking likable. What does likability have to do with anything? Are you kidding me? How likable was Courtney Roberts? Are you kidding? Likability is so important. Courtney won the game, but she doesn't have followers. She came Caitlin before is Instagram. So fucking likable. You think like trolls are like good players, but likability and charisma is hugely important. I think good players are good players. Two second place finishes, more total roses than anyone, more total kisses. You don't know that. I feel like it's true. You don't know that kissing. I don't know the kisses. P- You're right. I don't PP know. Pp had way more kisses. Pp had way more kisses than Nick Vial. I'm you know, sure. who probably had the most was Chris Souls. It seems, but at any rate, I'm just saying he definitely has more total roses. We're talking about Nick Vial, of course, the greatest of all time. I'm just saying he has more. You're total blinded. Roses. You're blinded by your crush on Nick Vial. I'm sorry. I don't have a crush true. on him. I don't you like don't him. See who is a legend in our game. I'm not saying she's not a legend. She's a legend. She's a very. I think she's probably in the top three, as I've said. Probably I'm not taking anything away from her. You can say she's the best. I can say Nick Vial's the best. That world can exist. It in fact must exist because we're living in it. Your love for him. Your crush is blinding you. I have no love for any of these people. I'm looking at objective statistics. You put sparkly music over his name every episode because of your love for him. You bring up this idea that Caitlin Bristow was such a good player. She only had to make it to third place before she became Bachelorette. That's like saying Michael Jordan was such a good player. He only had to play one season and we'll still call him the greatest. If she had been on Bachelor in Paradise, she would have fucking crushed it. She essentially made but her own Bachelor in Paradise. she wasn't on Bachelor in Paradise. She essentially made her own Bachelor in Paradise by dating Jason Tardick and creating this whole couple's relationship thing that everyone is tracking outside of the game. I mean, come on. Paradise is for losers. <laughs> oh, my God. Tell that to Jaden Tanner. Jaden Tanner probably would have higher numbers if they were the Bachelor and the finalists. You can't say probably this, probably that. All we have is what is actual. We have total roses. Know, we, have we have total screen time. What actual is that Nick Vial wasn't that well-liked. He did two seasons. No one really liked him. They, in fact, made the theme of his whole Bachelor season that he was kind of this loser and that he hadn't been able to find love. No one really liked him except the producers. He has maybe the strongest second audience game we have ever seen, and that cannot be discounted. Yeah, but the fourth audience is what actually matters the most for how much money you're going to make and how many Instagram followers you have. He is in the Million Club and came really right before Instagram blew up. They're in the same era. Are you kidding me? They're in the same era. I'm never going to convince you. You're never going to convince me. I believe they are very close in terms of their importance in the history of the game and what they have contributed to it. They are very close. I give it to Nick Vial only because his play in the game is objectively better. The numbers are higher. 
He has played more in the game. He even has two second place finishes to her single third place. Here's how you know that you're wrong. I put this poll out to the pit. Who is the greatest of all time? I said, after listening to our episode with Caitlin, we've had a all-star episode with Nick Vial. Who who wins? 68% said Caitlin. Over 32% said Nick Vial. That's after 1,654 votes. I'm saying that fourth audience game, no one likes Nick. Everyone loves Caitlin. I don't care about if they like him or not. I am simply That's concerned. The game. the game is what is on TV. It's the document. The game isn't isn't your how far you got by tricking people. What the fuck? That's literally the game. That's literally what it is. We measure the game in terms of Instagram followers and your influence afterwards and That's post game play. That is a part of all of it for sure. You diminish it. I don't diminish it. You diminish it because of your blind crush. <laughs> I don't weigh it as heavily because I believe what happens in the game, that's like pure play. Once you get into Instagram, yes, you're still playing a kind of post-game game. Well. I'm sorry. Right, but then you're also being measured against like Kim Kardashian and no one in Bachelor Nation actually matters in the real Instagram world. Caitlyn is going to win a Grammy, so what you're saying is nonsense. Sure, if she does, that's a, another conversation to be had. If Caitlyn wins a Grammy, will you call her the greatest of all time? Maybe Nick Vile has an Oscar by then. <laughs> you I never mean, literally, know. you're drinking the Kool-Aid. You're drinking the Vial Kool-Aid. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. My friend. You're over here saying Caitlyn Bristow is the best player of all time because she's likable. She's charting in the top 10. Nick Vial couldn't be further away from an Oscar. If if he had maybe never acted, he would probably be closer to an Oscar than he is right now. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Look, all I'm saying is we can both share these opinions and we can both be correct. This is a subjective conversation. There is no yeah. real objective way to make this determination. We only have their stats in game, their stats out of game, and what you feel is most important Etc. Etc. For me, it's the in-game shit. The votes of the pit who agree with me. So, but it's a subjective. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, great parasocial play by Caitlin Bristow, as always, yeah, and Jason I'm, Tardic. I'm fully a with you. Wonderful team. Yes. A powerhouse team. Yes, of course. Rule Bachelor Nation. Not a lone troll wolf who refuses to acknowledge his young girlfriend that's not a powerhouse couple i never said he was in a powerhouse couple i simply am saying he's the best player to play the game i mean i think if you're talking purely purely on gameplay that's courtney robertson she's in the conversation she did better in that season than any player but she never wore the crown no but that's not in the game if you're saying it's strictly in the game. That is in the game. The crown is one season. of the highest prizes. Yeah, and Caitlyn got the crown immediately, and she had to beat out fucking Brit for it. But regardless, you are in a cult. You're not seeing the reality. Okay, we need to cut this now. We are riled up. I am riled. It's a very stressful day, and I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> Stupid. Look, we're going to be arguing this till the day we die, but... At this point, we must descend into the darkest crevasses of the pit and explore now I'm mad. our relationship with this show <laughs> and how it makes us angry at one another because we can't come to consensus uh -huh. on the greatest player who ever lived. 
All right. This is Screams from the Pit. As you all know, by this point, all this season, Screams from the Pit is sponsored by Relationship Hero. They are an online service where you can go to get the help of a certified relationship coach. Whether you've been in a relationship for 10 years, whether you've just started dating, whether you're having problems, or you just want to make whatever relationship you're in that much better, you can right now go to relationshiphero.com G-O-R, and you're going to get $50 off your first one-hour coaching session. And this session comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so you got nothing to lose. Check it out. RelationshipHero.com slash G-O-R. And with us today in the pit, as always, <laughs> Shoya is going to let us discuss with her uh, all of the problematic shit that we've been seeing over the past week in our beloved game, how we're reacting to it, and how it is affecting us psychologically as we deliver our screams. Thank you, Shoya, once again for subjecting yourself to this. <laughs> Especially on election day. I am right. so sorry. It's all good. It's all good. I'm very interested. I'm at this point just curious at, as to what your screams are. At this point. Like I kind of get like popcorn, like mental, like metaphorical popcorn ready. Like, ooh, like what's it going to be? This week? <laughs> 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 Our descent into madness is your entertainment. I love it. I know. The only way you're seeing the show is through our problematic relationship with the show, which is very interesting. It's a real, I challenge everybody who's going to get into the show. Like this is a great gateway. Like <laughs> you should start. This here. is what can happen if you let it go too far. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I'm here for all of it. Yeah. My screen from the pit this week is not uplifting. <laughs> unfortunately, <Okay. laughs> It has to do with a piece of bachelor nation news that, we just covered, but basically these players, Christina Shulman, Rachel Lindsay, and Whitney Fransway attended a COVID party slash concert indoors at a club, hundreds of people like dancing, not that many people masked. A lot of Bachelor influencers have been doing this for the entirety of the pandemic, but after this particular instance, I was so mad, and maybe it's because it's this week. I mean, Christina and Whitney have been promoting a lot of like maskless spawn con picnics under blood red skies for many months. <laughs> right. But Rachel, Rachel's kind of one of my heroes in Bachelor Nation. Etu, Rachel. The main way that I see COVID parties is basically through these Bachelor Nation influencers. I have barely been socializing other than socially distanced picnics or on Zoom. A pale comparison of my thriving social life before. <laughs> but I'm not hugging my friends. I don't hug my parents. I don't hug anyone. And so many people have died. And seeing like these influencers pretend as if there isn't a pandemic and like they might not be contributing to these super spreader events, it's starting to break me. Like I get that people want this to be over. I get that they're getting this false sense of security from maybe... I'm giving them the strong benefit of the doubt here, all of them getting tested beforehand. These tests aren't always accurate. They're not promoting a good image for others to follow who might not even have these resources to take these like $100 tests every day or whatever. And this is also so far from an essential service. 
I like I desperately want to be in a mosh pit of human flesh again as well. And I'm not doing it. And it just feels like they think that they're better than everyone else through doing this. There's the audacity to share it on social media sometimes. And I think a lot of people are having this problem. Choya, how how do you deal with people in your life who are not taking COVID seriously? Just to make sure I got context, right? So just, you know, <laughs> FYI. Yeah, it's a lot. Maybe part of my sanity is linked to ignorance. <laughs> so not, I want to clarify hmm. that um, I understand what a COVID party is. <laughs> <laughs> Are these people celebra- uh, celebrating COVID? I'm confused. What is a COVID party? It is <laughs> not. It is, no, it is a concert the theme is not COVID at all. Okay. I call them COVID parties because okay. they are parties that are happening during COVID. Okay. Um, so I believe this was in Hollywood. Gotcha. Now that I know what a COVID party is, that's a common, that's actually like a common thing, you know, as far as, you know, coaching that we've been doing, like a lot of my clients have had similar anxieties, right? Especially with dating, right? Because you have half the dating community who is probably like, um, Rachel and these people along who are just not really just, they're out they're like oh we can do this this and this and then you have like the other dating community who is like I haven't seen my mother in like six months right I haven't left the house <laughs> whatnot so that's been some um, a common thing I guess the way to to deal with it is it is infuriating I don't think there's not I don't think you cannot be infuriated by watching it I do think that I find it to be like an opportunity whenever I personally am like scrolling through Instagram or looking Facebook, whatever the news. And I see people doing these things and I get, um, and I react and I'm like, wait a minute, why does this thing have so much power over me? Right. So that's what I, you know, kind of come down to is I obviously can't control, you know, Sue and her tequila shots and whatever. Right. So, um, I, like I have zero, I have like to entertain the idea that I have control is me losing even more control, which is bad for somebody who identifies as a control freak. So mm. what not the, you know, the best thing that I go is like, ooh, I don't like that as a control freak. It's like, ooh, I don't like the idea that this post had this much power over me. Oh whatnot. I've lost control somewhere. I need to get hmm. it back. And another thing is I value empathy, obviously as a coach, right? I value empathy. And it's kind of like, can I take my control back? And can I still acknowledge that these people are just as human as I am, even if they're doing something that makes me really turn a side eye? <laughs> what not like, can I, yeah. am I going to let this affect my, again, going back, which comes back down to control for me. Am I going to let this affect my ability to continue to empathize with these people and acknowledge that they're just as human as I am or whatnot. Cause it's kind of like, it's, I think it's way too easy to be, I don't want to use the term friends, but to empathize, right. With people who are a lot like you, cause they're like you or whatnot, but to empathize with people who aren't like you, to be able to acknowledge that they're still just as human as you are. And that's a skill, right? I feel like if you're, if you're only hanging with people who are like you, then you're not really crafting and empathizing level of skill or a compassionate degree of skill because it's easy right mm-hmm. like you're not doing you're not ticking me off in any kind of way it's just easy to be right there I do suggest having your support your support group should be people who are like you let me clarify that because you do not need to be triggered every no you have to have a tribe so to speak of people who are just like-minded and like you and respect you and respect your boundaries but 
for the rest of the people who are out there like on Instagram and, and getting, and it's kind of like, you know what? Godspeed, <laughs> not like, you know, that, I guess that's the, that's like the degree of it. It's kind of like, I can't, I can't control you. Like you can't give me COVID, but you can give me an anxiety attack. I'm not going to let you give me either. <laughs> so that would be yeah. my advice towards that. You can still be I in think fear, it, <laughs> I think it definitely, because, you know, I've been sort of tracking which of them are taking COVID seriously and which aren't. And I think that this one really just hit me because it's just, it's a rough week, you know, and it's just a couple days before the election. And yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. <laughs> I feel like- <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like I don't know it feels like am I delusional it feels like I'm living on a different planet like there's two different worlds going on mm, I don't think you're delusional but I do think I find this very interesting um from from a cultural perspective as well that COVID is being played out on like a big screen right so everybody COVID doesn't really care how much money you make what color you are you know this that and they're like anybody can be infected um, so you got everybody who is kind of like a part of the same issue and we're seeing how people react to it, but there are certain issues that only affect certain people, women, colored people, this, that, and the third. And you have people on the outside that talk about it, but it's kind of like, but you're not in it. Right. So unless you're mm-hmm. a part of this thing, then, um, then it's hard to get. So to kind of see how people react and maintain empathy, humanity, this, that, and the third, like struggle, um, we're all part of the same world, right? So that's this is just kind of being played out on the big screen. There's those of us that those of us that exist in certain communities have to deal with these little nuances day in and day out, right? About like, oh, reckon, looking at somebody else, going, we live in the same world, like physical space, but we don't live in the same world, and I have to engage with you. And believe it or not, you have to engage with me too because I'm present here, right? Or my community is present here, and we play. A role, and I think people. It it all comes down to perception, like something that you don't think. If you don't think women's rights affects you, then it's kind of like, but it does, right? You don't have to be a woman to be affected by women's rights, right? So, um, just like you don't have to, like whatever COVID, people say, oh, this affects everybody. Technically, and to some degree, everything affects everybody. So it's really more about perception. Do you perceive yourself as this is your problem? Or or do you perceive that it's a problem and you just exempt yourself from it? So this is that, but on a COVID scale, you have people who see COVID, acknowledge that COVID is a problem, but you have those of us that take like responsibility for the problem. And you got other people who go, oh, that's a problem, but it's not my problem. Right. So, I mean, teach is a good, it goes back to like teach his own, Um, just as long as we respect rights in the process right so um in which case those parties i would hope that there are those who stay home right and or do their due diligence and staying safe. like you don't have to participate in the party right um but it's a cost either way like nothing is free if you choose to stay home and social distance then you get to be on the infuriated side of things but you get to be safe right if you choose to participate in the party then yeah you get this freedom, but whatever, but now you've risked getting COVID and giving it to other people. So like, what are you willing to struggle for? I guess. And it's like, whatever you choose, 
be satisfied in that. Like, you know, I chose, this didn't happen to me. I chose this or whatnot. So what everybody else wants to do, they can do to some degree. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's super interesting though. Like, you know, that this is finally an issue that's affecting everyone versus like there are issues, you know, people have been struggling in a lot of areas for a long time before COVID and not other people not really acknowledging it because they're like, oh, it's not really my problem. When choosing not to engage, saying you're apolitical or something is a political choice in itself. Right. Choosing not to engage with the Black Lives Matter movement or with the women's rights movement etc is a, is a choice being neutral right not making a choice is a choice so it's kind of like i think it's like you're free to choose you're not free from the consequences of your choices and not making a choice is a choice that comes with its own sets of consequences at the end of the day it's just about <laughs> dealing with the consequences of your own choice <laughs> yeah i i suppose i don't have i don't have control over it we can call them out on social media but it's not gonna do anything and i see those things as opportunities right because again i'm a control freak so it's kind of like i lost power here i need to find it back so instead of just looking at like oh my god i don't have control here it's kind of figuring out where can i find control it's just it's my way of not going into full anxiety mode (laughs) whatnot and (laughs) a full panic attack because it's kind of like once i go over that edge there is no coming back so it's kind of like probably should try not to go over that edge but that's me my edge is pretty deep and dark so there's i have more incentive to not go over it (laughs) interesting a shoya scream coming up (laughs) yeah i feel like we're gonna get a scream in the pit from you shoya eventually it's going to happen eventually (laughs) that's you keep that hope you i like hopefulness (laughs) (laughs) well earlier pace case you mentioned thinking you might be delusional in your scream. Mm-hmm. And my scream this week is nothing but delusion. Oh, good. And it kind of <laughs> it kind of goes along with your COVID parties as well. I found myself, I'll just say this, Shoya. We long have talked about on our podcast how the coverage of The Bachelor, we believe, is moving into its next era when it's going to be more like real sports coverage where the coverage of not only the bachelor but reality television is going to be taken very seriously in terms of its culture importance because america is now a reality tv show and i think people are starting to wake up to the idea that reality television is really what we are now as a country and it's not some frivolous mindless guilty pleasure it's the lifeblood of our cultural identity so with all that said I started just doing some deep thinking about a party that I want to start throwing, and I started fantasizing about this party. Obviously, it can't happen (laughs) until after COVID, because I will not throw a fucking party where hundreds of people are in a fucking room with no masks. I personally won't do that. But the party that I want to throw is akin to like when all the famous writers in the 1920s in France and Paris used to get together. Hemingway and Fitzgerald and Guggenheim was there. All of these kind of artistic luminaries of the era would meet up, share their ideas, and kind of shape what their art form was going to be for the next decade. I want to do that with people who are covering (laughs) The Bachelor. I want to have a monthly gathering of basically the brightest luminaries in the Bachelor coverage world. 
And I started fucking making a list. I started imagining where I'm going to have these little events. I started imagining what they'd be like. I started coming up with themes for them. What would the invitations be oh like? They would probably be something similar to a date card with a golden key. And it would say, present this card at the door for you and a plus one to come into whatever we're calling this thing. And I started thinking, I Googled, what is the French name for the pit? I was like, maybe that'll what be is it. it. La Fosse. Ooh. Thank you. And um, <laughs> as I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, maybe this is in some way helpful to me. Maybe it's letting off steam to just indulge, to imagine myself at these parties with everybody walking around talking exclusively about the deepest level bachelor shit you can imagine. Because Pace Case and I talk about this from time to time, that we're now getting to a level of expertise where like people can't really talk with us about it. There's some people who can though. And I want to get all those people in a room. And that has now become my fantasy, not to reintegrate with normal society and my other friends, but in fact, to start building another world of people who are on the level with me and have it be a private invitation party held at a nice fucking Uh, hotel out here in Los Angeles. The Bachelor Illuminati. Yeah, it's basically the Bachelor Illuminati, but we can't even have fucking parties for probably another year and I'm already planning out the fucking invitations and shit. And I was like, but what am I doing? I'm wasting how many fucking hours a day thinking about this? Or is it a waste? Will I eventually throw the party? That's the other part of me that's like, no, shut up. You're not crazy. Keep fucking going. Only way out is through. <laughs> My hypothetical grandkids are going to come to me one day with a book. Oh, not, you know, you know how you read those books about how the Illuminati got started, right? My hypothetical. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. But uh, please tell us about these books. Oh, no, like, you know, just these, you know, books about how these secret societies got started and their influence and culture in America. And my hypothetical grandkids are going to come to me one day with a book about this. About um, this Zoom Illuminati call. Ver- Right. No, they're going to talk about this group of these people. And I'm going to be like, yeah, I was actually on a call. Like, I know the guy who started all of that. Like, and they're going to be like, oh, grandma, you don't know this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was there when this idea was formed. Oh, my God. So, so you're saying this is his, you feel history is forming right now. It's deja vu. It's the, um, deja vu. Or whatnot. So, like, deja vu feels like it's obviously like feeling like you've been here before. This vu is recognizing that this moment is about to become a memory, right? Oh. So it's kind of like, this is history in the making, wow, I feel like. Beautiful. And I'm very excited to be a, a part of it. So you're in full support of my delusions <laughs> as I'm just sitting around imagining myself at a party that can't even be held for a fucking year that probably will never exist, by the way. Clues, what are you wearing at this party? On the party? fucking eve. Of- What's a uniform? What am I yeah. wearing? Yeah, what are you wearing? How fancy is it? Uh, I'm wearing the outfit that Juan Pablo wore <laughs> to the K-pop date, which is oh a God. kind of tight leather black outfit with a giant cowl. <laughs> and I'm just marching around this fucking party holding court. I know exactly what this jacket is because Clues was like, I'm going to get this jacket. We just watched this episode. If you've never seen it, just Google Juan Pablo at the K-pop date. And you'll see what I'm talking about. But I really am just at a point where I, for some reason, was started thinking the other day about how Pace Case and I are getting to this point where like, I want to be able to talk at this level with as many people who are able, because I think Pace Case and I exist in our pit and we're bouncing shit off each other. We're definitely steel sharpening steel, but I'm curious to kind of test our metal against some other people to see how fucking expert are we? Because I know there are some other people who are at very high levels as well. I feel like we can hang and I want to do it. I think you should. 
I think you, I'm in support. I'm actually in support of your delusion, but here's, here's why I think you're, you know, again, there's a theme with you. <laughs> Delusions. <laughs> like we've got to go. Well, well, anyway, so, <laughs> so getting out through, I think that you, th- this could be like some fancy support group to some degree, kind of like alcoholics need AA and whatnot. I feel like, um, they need AA so they can participate in the real world. They can't participate in the real world or whatnot because nobody gets what it's like to be an alcoholic. So they go to AA, right? They convene with other alcoholics or whatnot or addicts or whatever or whatnot anonymous. Mm-hmm. And then because they have this group of people who get them, they're now able and have permission to participate in the world with the people who don't get them. Cause it's kind of like, I've gotten that out. It's kind of like, you know, when you're hungry and all you can think about is food, until you mm-hmm. eat, like literally, it's like, stop talking to me until I eat something. Nothing you say matters, right? So you eat food and now you can participate in the rest of the world. I think that you need this. I think that you need mm-hmm. to create this, you know, division of people who have the same obsession that you do. So you can compare obsessions and have this thing so you can get that void field. And now you have permission to participate in the other part of the world that's not bachelor consumed. Interesting. All right. Well, like I said, maybe in a year's time when we can actually see each other in public, I'll try to put something like this together. I, as I said, I already have a pretty good idea of a guest list. Uh, I have no idea if any of these people would come. They are all strangers to me at this point. But if they're obsessed with The Bachelor, then I don't see why they wouldn't come, right? It's kind of like I'm obsessed with pizza. So even if I've never had a type of pizza, if you told me that we're going to this pizza, I'm like, yeah, I'm going because I'm obsessed with pizza. We will will fly out reality, Steve. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it'll be held at the Olive Garden. Um, No, I mean, I think these people are also they professionally cover The Bachelor in one way or another. You know, they write for various magazines or have written books about it or whatever. And it would be held at a place that I think would be, you know, not my living room, let's say. Uh, It would be at like a nice upscale place. I have the place in mind. So I would at least give the illusion that this is on the up and up. I like it. And it would be. I don't even mean to say that it would be an illusion. What is that dot, dot, dot implied there? (laughs) Because I feel crazy when I talk about this shit. I feel like a fucking maniac when I talk about this. And I know that there is, at least still in me, there is some piece of me that invalidates the seriousness of what we do, even though I literally talk about believing that to be true, which I do. But still, there's that shred that's like, it is just The Bachelor. I think that shred connects you to the rest of humanity, you know, or whatnot. I do too. Which is necessary because, you know, those people matter or whatnot. And you have to, you're the (laughs) one that's out there in that world. Right. You, you're the one that's got to exist until you have to be able to still speak their language. Right. It's kind of like I used to teach and then I lost my ability to teach kids under fifth grade because I lost the ability to talk their language. So I was, you know, restricted to only at high schools and middle school. You were swearing at but them. I, <laughs> anyways, so I think, <laughs> I think that that invalidating um, piece of voice, right, connects you. To that but i you know what else sound crazy walt disney when he wanted to build disney world he was i mean before disney world was a thing that man sounded insane like you want to build what you want to do what like nobody's coming here you know jokes on you billion dollar industry that people right. spend what's like 150 dollars just to get in oh that's so 
I, I like this. I think that you should, you know, right now you have a, a dream, make it a plan. Mm. We need it. We need this kind of where you actually going. If you, if this thing was going to happen or exactly do you need to start, make this into a plan. Do not let go of that crazy. You could be building a bachelor Disney world for all, you know, I would book the place first. I know where the place is. It would not be difficult to book. And then I would send out invitations and see what would come of that. And I would probably send out invitations through means that would make them a little more legitimate than if they're just coming from me. Can I offer some advice? Yeah. I said, I mean, I don't, what I know about the bachelors likes to keep you on your toes. And there's always like these secrets and what's going to happen next. Maybe you should send out the invitations first with like mm -hmm. an RSVP type thing, like just to kind of see, like, you know, um, make it seem like one of those destination to be disclosed, right. To be announced. Like you have to be a part of a special group in order to even like, you won't know until like the last minute, right. You know, and like send out hmm. the invitations, get the RSVPs. When you start getting a feel back, then it's kind of like, mm, now I'm going to book the spot. Right. I feel like the destination is part of the draw. I think it again, legitimizes the entire. Endeavor. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. So that makes sense. That makes is sense. It, but yeah, is it, is it at the club inside Disneyland? No, it's at Mixology in the Grove where all the Bachelor players hang out. Ugh. No, it is at none of these places. <laughs> it is a, a place that I will not disclose right now, but I think uh, it's well known in Los Angeles for being kind of an exclusive members only type thing. I like it. I like it. Turn that delusion into a plan. The plan is there. And I thank you for validating it and telling me that I should do yeah, it. Yeah, I always now I get to indulge in that fantasy for all time. I always <laughs> expect Shoya to shut these things down, but now she's escalating it. <laughs> I mean, I, because shutting it down gets us nowhere. It's like the people who are like, I want to bury this. I'm like, for it to grow as a weed and manifest later? Absolutely not. You're just going to call me again <laughs> in three months with the same problem. Nope, let's go ahead and run this one through. Whatnot. So at least in three months, you call me with a new problem i'll i will have new problems but not old ones fair enough well shoya thank you so much for joining us on this election day and listening to our screams and helping us navigate them and thank you again for your unbridled support of all <laughs> of my insanity i really appreciate it and i am gonna throw this party eventually <laughs> i'm here for it whenever COVID decides it wants to go away who has a sparkle in his eye i didn't think we were gonna see on election day but it's there <laughs> i'm here for any other like i'm i'm actually am deep diving in the pit on election day. i'm like you know what i'm looking forward to this pit it's better than the <laughs> pit the rest of the party. <laughs> like i like, like I want to hear about some nonsense right now. <laughs> yeah. Or a reprieve from the actual world in some way. Well, we're glad to supply you with that. And uh, we're glad that you can supply people with fantastic coaching, which is available at relationshiphero.com. And again, if you go to relationshiphero.com slash G-O-R, you're going to get $50 off your first hour of coaching. Relationshiphero.com slash G-O-R. Thank you again, Shoya. And we will see you next week. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you again, Shoya, for joining us. Uh, thank you to everybody who has been sending us all the little tidbits and all of these things. Thank you to everyone who voted in our poll, Caitlin Bristow versus Nick Bial. Thank you for siding with me as Caitlin Bristow being the GOAT. I appreciate your truth. And thank you to people who are sending us strange tributes into the pit. We have received some interesting artifacts over the past week. 
They may be in the form of cameo videos from some of our most beloved players. They may be in the form of cameo videos from the greatest player of all time. Caitlin. We know who that is. Once these videos make their way to the bottom of the pit, they become twisted and distorted by the dark magic that (laughs) resides in the (laughs) darkest crevasses that you can imagine. And what comes out is something disturbing. And I have found one of these twisted videos that has been sent to us. (laughs) Uh And it may be available on our Patreon very soon. Oh, I can't Just something to put out there. But thank you to everyone else. Again, the tidbits, as Pacecay said, please keep sending those. We love seeing those. They help us get a firm grasp on what is important here in Bachelor Nation as we continue to put out this podcast. So we hopefully don't miss anything like Maddie Pruitt's TikTok video ever again. And of course, don't forget to join us this Friday. We will be putting out another game breakdown of this week's game, which is airing on Thursday because of the election. So it's going to be a Thursday air date of this week's game in which we all are expecting Claire Crawley to be unceremoniously discharged from our beloved game and replaced by Tasha. We're going to be giving you a breakdown of that on Friday. Please join us. And if you want our bonus episodes and our bonus uh, little things we find in the pit, sign up for our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Game of Roses. This is the best way to support us in our journalistic endeavors and our what Shoya is calling an addiction. <laughs> and for what it's worth, we are still molding the Patreon experience just as we did with this show when we first started. It is ever-changing. And it is becoming something a little more unique, I feel, now than just two bonus episodes and a live video thing every month. That is the bare minimum that you're going to get with the Patreon. But there are going to be many other things dropped in without warning that are things we can all discover together as we journey deeper into the pit. And before we go, as always, what is the Dwab at? It has been 6,798 days without a black bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 